This episode of Running From Cops contains some pretty rough scenes of policing on television, as well as audio of people in distressing situations, which you might find upsetting. Thanks for listening. Previously on Running From Cops. How do you get the people to agree to be on the show? They the sign suspects. releases, yeah. and we talk them into it. I mean, honestly, I told them, I told them on camera that they did not have permission to put me on TV, and they did it anyway. Why do they sign releases? I think part of the time they might have been tricked to thinking that they were going to be released. That should be against the law, that they're allowing these producers to lie to these young men like that. What do you give up for access? We let them look at the shows, and if they have a real problem, we will change something. The truth is, nothing that these cops did suggested to me that they were wrong in any sense. Episode four, Mind Blown. Good morning, everyone. This is a news conference from 2013. A magazine, a national magazine, once named him, quote, America's top cop. Bill de Blasio, the mayor-elect of New York City, is making an introduction. And I say, Bill Bratton, we in New York City are honored to have you as our top cop, and welcome back. Bill Bratton, the former police commissioner of New York City and then Los Angeles, is announcing his return to the Big Apple as the newly appointed commissioner of the NYPD. I love this profession. I love this city. I love this department. Bratton is probably the most visible cop of the past 30 years, and most often associated with the broken windows theory of policing. But what I want to talk about here is not Bratton's policies or the NYPD. I have had a love affair with it since 1956. And I may say 1956, I was nine years old. What I want to talk about is the reason why that nine-year-old became a police officer. I also visited the library that was beside that police station several times a week. And one day I walked in and here it was. He holds up a big, yellow, pleasant looking book. It's called Your Police. A children's book. I've taken this book everywhere I've ever gone. Every department, it's always proudly displayed because it had such profound influence on me. And then he opens it and he reads us all a story. We must always remember that whenever you see a policeman, he is your friend. He is there to protect you. He has dedicated his life to the preservation of the laws, the property, and the civil rights of the people in the community he serves. He would not hesitate to save your life at the cost of his own. Sure, it's propaganda, but still, it's straightforward and comforting and the kind of story you'd want to be true the kind you might want to tell a nine-year-old without feeling like a bit of a liar. Later this season, we'll be talking about what cops leaves out of the show. But today, we are going to talk about what cops leaves in and why, and how three decades of those choices work to normalize certain police behavior in this country. I'm Dan Taberski. This is Running From Cops. I'm just coming in from another meeting. I'm, my head is halfway there and halfway here. That's How do I get your head all the way here? I'm all the way here now. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> do you prefer um, Tyrone or Dr. Powers? It doesn't matter.
Dr. Powers it is. Dr. Powers was a Maryland state trooper, a special agent with the FBI, and now he's training a new generation of law enforcement at the Homeland Security and Criminal Justice Institute at Anne Arundel Community College. He's also an expert witness in police use of force cases. This conversation we're having here, it was over a year ago, and we're supposed to be talking about the Y2K bug, the subject of my last podcast. If the possibility of Y2K was going to happen from the brownout to Mad Max, prepare for Mad Max. But then as we were finishing up, I mentioned the other project I was working on, just in passing. So I know I'm doing this podcast about Y2K, but I'm also doing another podcast at the same time about the show Cops. And then he kind of made this face. Okay. Uh, Hit it. Man, that that thing, they violate every, I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know how they found those constitutional right violations. And some of many of those cases, me and my colleagues talked about that. Some of them are former DA agent. I have a police commanders here who have now retired and teaching from me. And they said, you know, there's a lot of things going on in that video presentation that are unconstitutional and legal. And there's a lot of conversations that they probably shouldn't be having, whether they're on film or off of film. So it's a unique look at that, but I wish somebody during the course of watching cops did some analysis and saying this is what was illegal, this is what was wrong, this is what was right. Well, is that something you could do? Yeah, that's something that, that I would absolutely love to do. Now, 10 months later, we are taking him up on his offer. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Good, so good to talk to you. Yes, sir. So before we go forward, I want you to remember two things. One, police departments invite cops to shoot with them. And two, police departments can veto anything they don't want ending up on the show. So every frame is a choice by police departments on how they want to be presented. All right, let's talk about some of those videos we sent you, yeah? Yes, sir. Um, So we sent you one. It was a drug stop in Wichita, Kansas. Okay. This is Cops, Season 16, Episode 17, Segment 3. It's 2004. It's daytime. An officer is cruising around a neighborhood of squat, rundown homes in Wichita, Kansas. Saw a car in front of a drug house. Didn't want to get inside the car till we drove by. And he spots a guy getting into his car in front of what the cop suspects is a drug house. So uh, I'm going to try to loop around and see if I can't get a stop on him. More than a quarter of all cop segments are built around a traffic stop. And here, as is often the case on the show, the officer wants to stop this guy but he needs a reason why. Yeah, he's got a crack windshield, so we're going to be able to stop him here. Well, it's a pretext stop. In other words, he knows that he can't make this stop legitimately based on constitutional law and probable cause. So they conjure up another reason. They come up with the crack windshield or the crack taillight or one taillight out. Pretext stops are a way for a cop to pull over anyone based on a hunch and using minor driving infractions to do it. It's legal, but it's controversial. A recent study showed that black drivers are about twice as likely to get pulled over and about four times as likely to be searched. So it's worth noting that the guy being pulled over in this episode is black. And that's what they do. And then once they make the stop, they immediately go about the business of having the person help incriminate themselves. Okay, go ahead and step outside for me. So the cop, who is white, gets the guy out of the car and he sits him on the curb. He's not under arrest yet. When was the last time you smoked crack? And then the officer starts questioning him. A couple days ago? Are you sure? 
Yes, sir. Because I kind of have a feeling you've been smoking now. Am I wrong? Yeah, I know I'm right. This officer is what my mom would call smug. Look at me. Look at me. Are you feeling a little ashamed for what you did? Yeah. And that's when you can kind of tell the officer suspects that this guy is hiding something. Stick out your tongue for me one more time, all right? Open your mouth. Stick it out. Stick out your tongue. Okay, bring your tongue out. And as he's talking, kind of on the sly, the officer pulls a flashlight from his belt. One more time, open, open your mouth. Okay, spit it out. Spit it out. Spit it out. And he shoves the butt end of the flashlight into the citizen's mouth. Spit it out. I'm telling you right now, you're gonna you're gonna spit it out, okay? Okay. Stick out your tongue. Stick out your tongue. And this isn't just a tiny little flashlight. It's a big flashlight. And the officer is jamming a good three inches of it into this man's mouth. If you bite me, we're going to have some serious problems. You understand me? Mm-hmm. Do you understand me? Yeah, that's, that's, that's totally unconstitutional. That's completely bad policing. There's even a Supreme Court case, uh, Rochin versus California, that says that, which, which they almost deal with the same specific thing. And the courts have said that uh, obtaining evidence in a manner that shocks the conscious is inadmissible in court. And to to do that to an individual, you haven't even arrested him. He's not even under arrest. He's not even completely under your control. You are detaining this individual. And to do that, to put something in his mouth in order to get um, um, uh, suspected drugs from under his tongue is just completely wrong. Keep it. Keep your mouth open. You, sh- you hear me? Keep your mouth open. And then the officer understands halfway through it, I shouldn't be doing this. So I better say something justifying this action. So he starts to ask him, am I hurting your tongue? I'm not hurting you, am I? I appreciate that. Stick out your tongue. Am I hurting you? I hope I'm not hurting you. I appreciate you being extremely cooperative with me. But the whole point is you can't do that. Would you do this in other neighborhoods? Would you do this in an upper-class neighborhood? Would you put someone else on the ground, put something in their mouth and force it out, even if they were wrong? And to put that on an episode of Cops and have people watch that and have people believe that this is legitimate police work and this is a legitimate way to retrieve um, suspected drugs from under the tongue of the individual is just completely wrong. That one right there is abhorrent. John Langley, the producer of Cops, says he fights to get scenes of policing that he finds egregious into the show. I've seen all kinds of things that I go, good, I'm glad we got that through, because people are going to see it and they say, was that really necessary? And this may be true. And if it were, it would make Cops a killer documentary about police abuses. They'd be at Sundance right now. But the big problem with that is that almost invariably, Cops presents these scenes not as bad policing, or even neutrally. They frame it as good policing. Like that flashlight scene. If you bite me, we're going to have some serious problems, you understand me? It ends with a cop testing the rock the guy was hiding under his tongue with a roadside drug test. The test comes back positive, and then the Sarge, he says... If that's what he's going to swallow, he probably saved his life. The way it's framed? They did that guy a favor. And if the show presents it like that, right out in the open, on TV, that you can do that, could you blame a viewer for thinking, well, maybe you can do that? And for police officers to think that they could get away with it.
Here's another one. Cops, Season 30, Episode 9, Segment 1, Glendale, Arizona. Officer Matt Schneider and his partner are responding to a call of a guy loitering. Hey, we're going to go out with this guy up here. Uh, matches the description of somebody that the maintenance man was saying was loitering in front of the complex and causing problems. We're just going to go out and see what's up with him. They find the guy. He's walking down the sidewalk outside the building, and they try to stop him with another pretext up, by the way. Hey, guy, come here real quick. All right. You're walking in the road. For walking in the road. The guy runs. 24% of all cop segments have a chase in them. And they're running for a while on this one, but this guy is like a gazelle. And the cops, they're like gazelles too, with 40 pounds of guns, batons, tasers, pepper spray, and handcuffs hanging off their belts. So as they're running, Officer Schneider pulls out his taser and fires it, trying to tase the man in the back. Can you do that? If you run for the police, there's no doubt the courts have said that that can be used as part of probable cause for them to pursue you and for them to make the arrest. But to tase you, you have to kind of be able to justify that they are a threat to you or a threat to someone else, not just that you are not in good physical condition enough to chase them down and to catch them (laughs) or that you don't have another means of catching them. It cannot be used as a device of convenience for you to bring them down because you don't want to chase them any further. Glendale PD's use of force policy says that running from the police is not a good enough reason to tase a guy. When we asked for comment, the department says Officer Schneider felt threatened enough to take the shot. The taser misses anyway. The guy gets away. And now he's hiding. And no, it's not done yet. The cops figure out his name, they run a check, and it turns out he's a parole violator. We find out later it's because he got kicked out of his halfway house. He's got a 51 out of DOC parole violation. Uh, felony warrant out of... In any case, the officer calls in a canine unit to help sniff him out. And this next part is intense, so heads up. The next thing you see is this. The canine finds the guy hiding in a bush and drags him out by the neck. Totally inappropriate. And, and, and there's, some, there's some case law that indicate that. Prince George's County, Maryland here, um, was, went under a consent decree for their use of canines in those exact same situations. In other words, this is a total inappropriate use of force in this particular situation. You don't use force until it's necessary. And there was no indication prior to that. Usually when you have officers use this kind of force, they will say that I thought he might have a weapon. None of the officers articulated that. So that's, a, that's excessive force. And to an extent, it's police brutality. But if this action is so wrong and the Glendale Police Department could just make the producers take it out, the question is... Why would the police want this on TV then? They know that probably 90% of the public is going to side with them. They've already painted everyone that they come in contact with as the bad person. And so they know that in most cases, there's never going to be any repercussions or consequences for their particular action, even if they show it. It's going to show aggressive policing. It's going to show we're dealing with people who are committing crime. It's going to show that people lie to us. 
They're not going to focus on the constitutional aspect of policing. And so the police agency said nine times out of 10, there's going to be no backlash. It's so brazen that it's almost impressive. And I wonder, is that the point? To just put it out there till you don't notice it anymore. Remember how that officer tried to tase that guy in the back? Compared to the dog, that seems like nothing, right? And a flashlight in the mouth? If you bite me, we're going to have some serious problems, you understand me? Pales in comparison to the damage a taser can do. Yeah, he's got a crack windshield, so... And the idea of a pretext stop? That guy practically deserves a medal. Even though, by the way, in real life, a recent study showed that traffic stops by police end in arrest only 2% of the time. But not on cops. On cops, it's 92%. The officer's instincts are always right on cops. Back to that dog scene. It doesn't end with a, what the fuck, or we gotta rethink how we're doing things here. It ends with the suspect sitting on the curb, covered in his own blood, with the officer saying to him, Okay. Well, do me a favor. Yes. The next time you hear the warning, simply give up. Because now i got to write a ton you of paperwork. You bet your ass. <laughs> well, you have the K-9 unit guy saying, now i got to do a bunch of paperwork. And maybe it was sarcasm, but you're on camera. With the nation watching, you indicate your greatest concern about this situation. Now you're going to make me do a ton of paperwork. So even if I was thinking that, just as go to show you how immune some police officers feel, and they didn't edit it out. How do you feel so confident to be able to say that? The Glendale PD told us they believe this was an appropriate use of a police dog. And if it seems otherwise, it's because of how cops cut the scene together in the edit room. But of course, we know that police departments contractually have the right to make any changes that they deem necessary to an episode. The Glendale PD wouldn't say whether or not they had exercised that right on this one. That episode first aired on August 12, 2017. Two weeks earlier, body cam video was shot that only recently came to light of that same Officer Schneider who tried to tase that guy in the back. The body cam footage shows Schneider tasing a man as much as 10 times during a traffic stop and then pulling down the man's shorts and tasing him a final time in the testicles. The Glendale PD told us they believe this incident, too, was an appropriate use of a taser. They dispute that it was 10 times, and they dispute that the officer intentionally pulled the guy's shorts down. They also told us that when the whole incident was over, Officer Schneider tased the guy one more time while he was seated and in cuffs. For that last tase, he was suspended for just three days. In the past 13 years, Schneider has been disciplined for workplace harassment, insubordination, improper destruction of a citizen's personal property, unbecoming conduct, and using excessive force. But Officer Schneider, he did get that arrest on cops. I just want to pause here for a second to tell you about Stitcher Premium. If you can't wait to hear more episodes of Running From Cops, you can actually binge the entire season right now, ad-free. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com headlong and use promo code headlong. Okay, back to the show. 
Let me just start by saying that I really wanted to make this just about cops. I was completely ready to ignore the dozens and dozens of the policing reality shows that have come and gone since Cops premiered. More than happy to skip over Highway Patrol and Police Women of Memphis and LAPD Life on the Beat. I was totally fine to not talk about this reality show starring this guy. My name is Steven Seagal. Did he say Steven Seagal? That's right. Steven Seagal, Deputy Sheriff. Yeah, it's pretty special. But none of those shows have the reach of cops or the longevity or the impact on how Americans view policing. But that changed a couple of years ago. There's a new show that you can't ignore. Actually, you can ignore it, and you probably do. But that's what makes the show Live PD important to talk about. Stop! 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 Okay. For three hours on Friday nights and three hours on Saturday night on A&E, Live PD follows six to eight police departments live as they police their communities. Tonight we are live in Greenville and Richland counties in South Carolina with the Arizona Department of Public Safety in Jeffersonville, Indiana, in Spokane County in Washington State, and in Calvert County in Southern Maryland. As always, we've got more than 30 cameras following the action. With cameras embedded with police officers responding to calls. Both hands out, out the window. window. Both hands out the window. Take the keys out of ignition, throw them out the window. Corralling all the action is host Dan Abrams, whose other gig is as an ABC News legal affairs correspondent. But here, he's stationed in the Live PD studio slash command center in New York, with monitor after monitor on the wall, showing police on the job, ready to go live, as Abrams jumps from city to city to wherever the action is. Let's go right now to Jeffersonville. Uh, both of the officers, Alyssa Wright and Denver Leverett, are serving as backup on a speeding pullover. Let's see why. And with him are two in-studio experts, i.e. police, explaining what we are seeing the police do and why what the police are doing is A-OK. If they're aggressive, you're going to try to use less lethal to taser pepper spray to try to control the situation. Now you're dealing with a dog and the suspect at the same time. It makes it a lot more difficult. Yeah. The first thing you need to know about Live PD is that they premiered in 2016 after Eric Garner in Staten Island, after Michael Brown in Ferguson, after Tamir Rice in Cleveland, after Black Lives Matter and countless videos on YouTube redirected the national conversation around policing. And Live PD embraced that and positioned their show as part of that conversation. And you can hear it in this promotional video they released. Friday, watch cops live. Being able to see exactly what the police are doing and how they're doing it is beneficial to everyone. The cell phones changed everything. Being able to instantly load video up. You have to be very careful in these situations. They only put up what they want to put up. They don't get the whole interaction. That's why I knew these departments wouldn't have any problem with us coming in because their videos are out there anyway. So why not show it in real time? Live PD is framing itself as police transparency. The second thing to know is just how insanely successful this show has become. Live PD is often the most watched show on all of television on Friday and Saturday nights, with well over 2 million viewers. It's so successful, it's not just one show now. It's a franchise. There's Live PD six hours a week, but there's also Live PD Rewind, a repackaged version of clips from the live show. There's Live PD Police Patrol, footage that was unaired in the original. There's a pre-show to Live PD called Live PD Roll Call. There's Live PD Presents Women on Patrol, 
that one explains itself. And there's Live PD Presents PD Cam, which is just body cam video, using the tools that were put in place for transparency, not as a check on police activity, but as content, as good TV. All of this together has made A&E wall-to-wall policing. In fact, if you wake up this Friday at 7 a.m., make a cup of coffee, and plop yourself down in front of that TV, as much as 37 of the next 48 hours will be Live PD or its spinoffs. Live PD has become so successful that the police who regularly appear on that show, they've become local celebrities. Did you ever think that this would lead you into being on TV? No. National no, TV? No, not at all. This is from Fox 13 News in Pasco County, Florida. The Pasco Sheriff's Office has been on over 120 episodes of the show. To be a, look at that uh, smile, to be a TV star. Yeah. Uh, they do fan appearances. They sign autographs. Kids buy trading cards with their faces on them. All right, I've got one last question. How many marriage proposals have you had since you've been on TV? A lot. A lot? Yeah, a lot. Live PD hosts regional screening parties where thousands of people show up and pack venues just to watch the show with other fans and maybe meet one of the police officers in person. Live PD has become so successful, whereas a regular network might order 13 or 26 more episodes, like another season of it, A&E just ordered 450 more hours of Live PD. And yet, have you even heard of this show? If you haven't, it probably says a lot about where you live and how you feel about the police. A big, fat, multi-million viewer conversation that only half the country is even noticing. The El Paso Times wrote about Live PD 27 times in the last two years. The New York Times has mentioned it only once. And then it was just to say that, you know, this is on. Oddly, this show that uses transparency as its hook, not super transparent. The host, Dan Abrams, and the executive producer, Dan Cesario, a lot of Dan's here, they have talked to barely any press since the show launched. And they said they wouldn't talk to me. But we are going to talk about them. And we're going to do it in Spokane, Washington, where Cops was once the only game in town, but now Live PD has arrived and started a pretty big fight about policing and TV cameras and whether one should have anything to do with the other. Uh, how long have you lived in Spokane? Uh, I came up here in the Air Force in, I think, 2009. If you're looking to point fingers, point them at Adam McDaniel, because he started this whole thing. Uh, what is the demographic makeup of uh, Spokane? We are pretty white. Um, I, I, I can't tell you the exact breakdown. Um, pretty white, does it? Pretty white. McDaniel is tall and unassuming, and he's really proud of his adopted hometown of Spokane, where we met. We consider ourselves a boom town right now. We actually have a crane. You can see our crane right outside. Oh, is outside. that a big yeah, deal? It's a big deal. We have a crane that you can see. We're growing. Yeah. yeah. A crane is a good sign for a place like Spokane. They've been dealing with an anemic tax base, a low median income, and, like a lot of places, a pretty serious opioid problem. If I were a producer for the show Cops, my ears might perk up at stats like that. And Cops has shot a lot in Spokane over the years. They've been on eight seasons of the show and featured in 37 episodes. Welcome back. Let's go to Spokane County, Washington. But then the brand spanking new Live PD showed up in Spokane and started filming. Oh, no. Looks like we've got another shirtless dude. Adam McDaniel catches an episode one night. Spokane back pages, Steve. The, yeah, the, it's like the craziest yeah, she wants to suck. Type. She said, I'll yeah, suck okay. all Get my fucking 
Cool, I'll put you on there. And then he goes online to see what Live PD fans were saying about Spokane as a result. Adam printed out some tweets for me, which defeats the purpose of Twitter, but I'm not going to get hung up on that. Live PD, Spokane, home of drugs and domestics. That's probably not the greatest motto that, that we've ever had. Spokane is the white trash capital of the Northwest. Spokane has hella issues. Hella issues? Hella issues. Spokane needs some hygiene, to put it nicely. If Adam were like the rest of us, he'd just change the channel, right? Who's going to listen to your griping about some dumb TV show? Except Adam has some pretty influential ears to gripe into. I am the senior executive assistant to the council president for the city of Spokane. Is there a junior executive assistant? I'm it. Oh, really? I just got a fancy title. And when he shows live PD to his boss, not happy. Reality TV isn't accountability or transparency, it's entertainment. It's entertainment I'm judging. I am openly judging it as something that we, our value system shouldn't allow. Spokane City Council President Ben Stuckert doesn't like the show, he doesn't like the way it makes the city look, and he doesn't plan on letting it continue. I can, as a city, say, there's the parameters if you want to put this on TV and make money off of somebody's mug in my city. We could ban them for all we want. They're making money. So he proposes a law, putting enough restrictions on shows like Cops and Live PD that it just wouldn't be worth it to shoot here. Not super controversial, Stuckert thought. But when Live PD fans got wind of what he wanted to do, not happy. KXY4's Caroline Flynn working for you with some new developments on this story. And Caroline, the public really seems to be taking the sheriff's side on this one. They certainly are. Yesterday, his office asked the public to weigh in, and the response has been overwhelming with over 700 comments so far, mainly saying people love live PD and shows that give you a live and real look into other people's lives, and they sure don't want to see them leave Spokane. Live PD fans, they revolted on Twitter and Facebook, and they went after Ben Stuckert. And I'm yelled at for censoring, violating the First Amendment because I don't understand the Constitution. When we started this, I thought this would be like a minor blip. And I didn't know that it was, at some points in time, the top-rated show by the Nielsen ratings. And I'm like, what? Mind blown. Like, And the biggest fan of all? The Spokane Sheriff, the guy who invited Live PD into Spokane in the first place, Sheriff Ozzy Knezovich. This thing has tapped into something that I can't explain. I've never seen anything like it before. Not in 28 years. You know, with a name like Ozzy, I'm thinking warm, super chill, fun to be with. Sheriff Ozzy is the most serious man I have ever met. This guy is not screwing around. As somebody who runs a department, can I depart, call it a department? Office. As someone who runs the sheriff's office. office. As someone who runs the sheriff's office. Um, what is the appeal? You must see positive influence of a show like Cops or Live PD being here. I, I can tell you that Live PD has done wonders for our recruiting. Really? How? Uh, applications. People calling us all I, over the country. Really? Yes. It's been amazing. Really? It's been amazing the amount of Christmas cards we got from people all over the country. Get out of here. No. One of the big criticisms is that it gives Spokane a bad name. I mean, that's what I heard from the very beginning. It makes us look bad. How's it making you look bad? 
It makes you look bad. Oh, it's making us look bad? No, maybe it's exposing exactly the way things are, and you're afraid that you might have to fix the problem. It's easier just to keep it shoved under the rug. It shows people at their worst. Well, no, it shows what we're dealing with. It shows what society's dealing with. I challenge Ben Stucker. If this is his biggest thing to worry about, then he needs to get out of politics. Because I am more concerned about the drug and alcohol problem we have, the mental health problem we have, and no resources to fix that. That's what he should be focused on. How does showing the victim or the perpetrator on the worst day of their life with a camera in their face help the situation at all? How, how does, somebody's got to explain that to me. This is Council President Stuckert again. It actually says your privacy as an individual just doesn't matter. We're gonna put you on TV so that we can, for the greater good, show the problem with police officers. There's much better ways to go about showing the problem than degrading that individual and treating that individual like they literally don't matter and that they're a pawn in a game. That's not fair. That's not right. Looking out for the little guy is one thing, but Stuckert also has his eye on the big guys, trying to attract big business to Spokane to invest and create jobs. And Live PD isn't helping. So if on one hand we're going to spend a million dollars marketing how great our town is, This is the Visit Spokane commercial that they just made to attract new business. It's got rushing waterfalls and happy espresso drinkers. There's even a shot of that one crane that they're so proud of. And how things are moving forward here and we're the place to be and we've got investments in the park. We've spent 300 million improving our river right here behind us. And then in the next step you turn around and there's some guy doing meth, getting pulled over. Meth or heroin, James? All right, James, you have the right to remain silent. And that's what you see in the next 30 seconds. This is me with Sheriff Ozzie again. I know that in general, people talk about the police departments and say, thank you, Live PD. We appreciate what you're doing. And we see right. that on the show. They also very often are laughing at Addicts, drunks, and poor people doing stupid things. Yeah, and that seems to be a flaw in our society now today, doesn't it? And for him, it's worth the trade-off. I've never seen anything like this. Cops has been on here forever. We've never had that type of emotion. The emotion that these people are have is amazing. I've never seen anything like this. We stepped off LIPD after the summer, and you would have thought they lost a long-lost friend. I, it was amazing. Isn't that so interesting that it takes something like a television show to make people express those sentiments to you? I think it was a little bit more than that. What do you mean? I think that 7-7-2016 opened a lot of people's eyes. Quick. What's 7716? Do you know what happened that day? Would you have been confident enough to take a guess in front of Sheriff Ozzie? I wasn't. 77 2016? Yeah. Which is? Five Dallas cops dying. It opened a lot of people's eyes. 
Good evening. Tonight, police say the shots that turned the streets behind me into a killing zone, taking the lives of five police officers, wounding seven others, and two civilians came from one man operating alone with a grudge against police and white people. I remember it. I remember how horrifying it was when it happened. But does it stick in your head like Ferguson or Baltimore? It did for Sheriff Ozzie. And for many of the officers on Cops and Live PD that I've spoken to, this is the thing. Because five cops died because of radicalized hate. That's why. We all saw that coming. Everybody in this nation should have seen that coming. Every leader in this country should have seen that coming. And we did nothing to prevent it. We allowed that hate to divide this nation. And that's what LIPD is struck into. This nation is fed up with that. For what it's worth, as Sheriff Ozzie said those things to me, his chin was quivering. It could have been anger. It could have been sadness. I'm guessing both. And I can see how it may be a taxing time to be a police officer, especially an honest one to feel under attack by the people you see yourself as trying to help. And I can see how having a show like Live PD that celebrates you and having fans like legitimate fans sending Christmas cards and defending you online, I can see how that would feel good. But Live PD isn't calling itself a pro-police fan club. Live PD is claiming to be about transparency, using police department time and resources to be a part of the current conversation around policing. Deputy Mastriani, I know that I speak for a lot of the, the people who watch this, and uh, I think the term heroic was used many times in social media. But you don't really ever hear an officer's policing criticized on Live PD. First of all, bravo to the deputies Absolutely. involved there. That was an incredibly dangerous situation. You don't hear them say what the police did right there. That's wrong. You can't do that. He may not like the way they rolled up on him, but... You're not going to win this battle playing asphalt lawyer out there. Right. Just go along with the police and try to get out. You don't see them show police aggression against citizens that isn't immediately praised and encouraged by the host and his panel of police in the studio. But these deputies use such restraint. They did a fantastic job. And Tom, they could still go into... We must always remember that whenever you see a policeman, he is your friend. He is there to protect you. He has dedicated his life to the preservation of the laws, the property, and the civil rights of the people in the community he serves. He would not hesitate to save your life at the cost of his own. And like a children's book, Live PD is a lovely sentiment to some but completely inconsistent with the reality of others. Call it what you want, but Live PD isn't transparency. This is solidifying your base. Uh, the vast majority have deep respect for their law enforcement. It hasn't changed. You do have a core 15 to 20 percent that don't like us. Well, guess what? That's, that's life. As somebody who serves the public, doesn't that 20% bother you? It does. It's not that I write them off. I would like to have 100%. But you're never going to get there. 
That is how Live PD serves the police and their fans as they watch it all happen from their living rooms. But what about the people that they're watching? The people who've had their 15 minutes forced on them. In the first place. Can you please get the camera out of my face? I'm just letting you know you're being audio and video recorded. Sit down yeah, in the car I don't want to be audio and video recorded and I would request that that stops right now. Can I please have that camera off of me? No. And so we set out in Spokane to find them. And how do they feel about what Live PD did to them? Well, not happy. Next time on Running From Cops. You got a felony warrant for possession of stolen property, okay? Okay. You're arresting me for They have no problem belittling you and humiliating you and degrading you. Just laughing at me and, you know, and stuff and booking and just, you know. What were they laughing at you for? Because I had made it on Live PD. How many times would you figure that Live PD and the cops came over here looking for me since July? Probably about six times. Six times with cameras? Yeah. So you think you're targeted? Oh, beyond. Oh, absolutely. And they searched my car, they jumped out with their film crew and everything, and, and then they come back again a fourth time. What the f- wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. I'm fine. Leave me the alone. Leave me the alone. All right, go Please on. Please stop harassing me, brother. Okay. And that's when I was realizing this officer is actually stalking me. These people won't go away. Running from Cops is produced by Henry Milofsky and me. I'm Dan Taberski. Our associate producers are Courtney Harrell and Diane Hodson. Joel Lovell is our editor, and thanks to Leela Day for editorial input. Our music is by Mark Orton and John Hancock. Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky are the executive producers at Pineapple Street. The team at Topic Studios is Tal Malad and Lisa Langang. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot, and it's also a nice way to get other people to discover the show. And do it now, because you know you're going to forget. Thanks. If you are listening to this and you were on COPS, we would love to talk to you. We have talked to some already, but we would love to hear from more of you about what your experiences have been with the show. Call us at 209-2-ON-COPS and leave a voicemail. That's 209-266-2677, or you can email us at copspodcast at gmail.com. You can find Running From Cops on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us and check out more podcasts from Topic at topic.com slash podcasts.